Hello, and welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast. And like I promised in the last episode, I'm really looking forward to the episode today where we will talk with one of my good friends, uh, Adam Mabry, about his latest book, Stop Taking Sides. And this book, uh, I've been looking forward to this book for, oh gosh, probably the whole pandemic. It was so funny because as soon as I arrived in the U.S. uh, in March, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, for those of you who don't know, uh, our family got stuck there. Uh, We were going for what was supposed to be a one-month trip. And by the time we arrived, that's when the pandemic worsened all over the world and flights got canceled and so long story. Good to be home in the Philippines. But while we were there, Adam sent me an advanced copy of this book and asked if I could pre-read it uh, to to write a recommendation for, for the book, which was coming out in September. I read it, loved it. Uh, it challenged me. Uh, it humbled me. It corrected me. And, and so I've been looking forward to having this interview with him in order to feature this for our podcast today. Uh, I really highly recommend you you get the book. It's going to be hard to find in the Philippines, a physical copy. But um, you, if you're able to get it on Kindle, that would be great. You'll just need you know to buy uh, uh, online on Amazon and the, the Kindle app is free on whatever smartphone or computer device you're using. But it's a great book and it's called Stop Taking Sides. And, and let me read a little bit about it. It says... Embrace the surprisingly simple solution to the division, anxiety, and fear that plague our discussions from politics to theology. Stop taking sides. And this book just continues to, to, to show us what the biblical perspective for, for, for so many truths are. Truths that we often are tempted to choose one side over the other. Do we prioritize uh, politics in this world or building the kingdom of God spiritually? Do we prioritize God's sovereignty or our uh, human responsibility? These questions are questions that human beings and often Christians fight over. And if we're not careful as leaders, we get sucked into taking one side or the other, alienating one group or another group instead of being the, the missional leaders God's called us to do to lead a way through. And I know that's hard because I feel the same way. I feel it in myself, an internal pull to take a side, to fight someone. I feel an external pull to take a side. And yet, in Adam's book, I love how this is not a call to just neutrality or it's not a call to just don't think and don't engage. But what he's he's pointing out is we need to engage even more. And the problem with taking a side isn't that you don't engage, it's that you only engage one side. Instead, as Christians, God's calling us to hold many truths in tension. For those of you who don't know him, Adam is our senior pastor of our Every Nation Church in Boston, Massachusetts. So his church is in between MIT and Harvard, and he engages people from both these prestigious universities uh, regularly in his school. He gets invited to talk about uh, the kingdom and business, the kingdom of God and, and, and uh, science and those kinds of talks. And honestly, for me, he's one of my favorite people to listen to uh, when he's preaching or just in having a conversation with him. He's also, uh, uh, um, he was a missionary to our, uh, for Every Nation Church in Scotland. Um, he's creative, uh, writes music, uh, um, can, can sing and, and, and can, can perform. His wife is also very creative, a musician and, and uh, photographer. And... Uh, yeah, he's just one of the most prolific writers and one of my favorite writers to read, honestly, because his stuff is always so rich but concise. You know, the ideas are really packed in there. 
And I'm just privileged to be able to call him a friend, you know, these past few years to be able to get to know him better, to pray with him, to be able to to carry each other's burdens, really. So without further ado, uh, I want to present to you this interview with the author of that book, Adam Mabry. Hey, Adam. Uh, how are you doing? Hey, hey. Living the dream, man. Yeah. We're going to play a I game. I don't know whose dream, but I'm living it. <laughs> We're going to play a game before we get to the topic of the day, which is your book. And I told you about this game months ago. I don't know if you remember this, but when you were in the Philippines, uh, January of last year, uh, you remarked on how much of our food is sweet and how much of the mm -hmm. stuff we eat is sweet. And so... I'm sure I'm the only one to ever notice that. <laughs> yes, yes. No one's ever commented before on how we sweeten our spaghetti mm -hmm. and we sweeten oh. all our salad dressing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere a Filipino Pardon, chef my, my gag reflex is just tripping but go ahead <laughs> so here's the game is this a real Filipino dish or is this a joke so that's what you're supposed to guess I'm going to describe <laughs> a, a sweet food item with you <laughs> and you have to tell me is that a real thing or that's a joke okay. are you ready I, I am I'm extremely ready okay number one Cheese ice cream. That's ice cream with real bits I, of I'm cheese. I'm certain. I'm certain that that's real with you people. Yeah. Sorry. That was that was white heteronormative patriarchal of me to say you people. <laughs> but uh, yes, I am I, certain. I feel like that that I had that. Is that a thing? Yes. You're right. Okay. Congratulations. Woo! One point for Adam. Got right. it. It, it is a thing. You yeah. didn't have it though. What you had was burnt rice ice cream. If you'll remember that. No, no, that. I had that, and that's disgusting. <laughs> but what was the best part about me tasting this disgusting burnt rice ice cream was watching you and your wife get transported into this place of, like, precious memory. And you were, like, back, you were, you were both, like, Childhood. four years old in your grandma's yep, yep. kitchens. And I was like, I don't I don't know where Joe and Carla went, but they, they left, and they're in a memory right now. And it was really beautiful to watch you guys. But for me, it was just, it just tasted like burnt. Stop. Uh, for our listeners here, uh, we got to try this tutong ice cream. So for you Filipinos who like tutong, tutong ice cream. So we offered it to Adam and he said, what is this? And we said, burnt rice ice cream. He tried it and he goes, as advertised. It is exactly what you just said it was. It's burnt yeah. rice. All right, great. Mm. So one point for Adam. Number two, uh, uh, using syrup as salad dressing. Is that a real I thing? I need to believe. I, I need to believe that's not a real thing. I mean, unless Buddy the Elf happens to <laughs> inhabit your country. <laughs> you are correct. Okay, that is a made-up thing. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> unless there's a Filipino out there who's going to message us and be like, I do that. <laughs> yes. Someone's going to be like, actually, that's a great idea. The next Filipino the, billionaire. The next breakthrough restaurant here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shaved ice. With milk, with sugar, with corn, and garbanzo beans, and kidney beans. Is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah it's real because I ate it. Oh, you did? Okay, yes. That is called halo yeah. halo. Yeah, we mm -hmm. had a, a Spanish friend over one time who couldn't get over using garbanzos for dessert. All right. <laughs> All right, so, wow, three for three. Last one. Eating pineapples, but with salt. So my dad eats cantaloupe with salt, 
And so I have a category for this. And so I'm going to say yes. Yes. Correct. Yes. We, we, we yeah. love to eat fruits yeah. with salt. Okay. Uh, I, I got a I got a weird one for you. You didn't play in this part of the game, but I have a weird go, one for go. you because right. I was just in like the deep, deep south with my extended family. Which I think and, it, uh, a Filipino of, would relate to because there's okra and, and there's different like creative oh, seafoods. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we had wonderful food. My uh, my uncle is a pit master. He owns six grills. I mean it Ooh. there was some delicious stuff. But a neighbor came over and she was like, You know what my favorite favorite snack is? And we were like no, tell us. And she was like, banana and mayonnaise sandwiches. And we were like, uh, uh, wow. No, no. What? Get out. <laughs> so we, we excommunicated and her banana, banana and mayonnaise. And she was like, well, Elvis liked him. And I was like, but he died on a toilet. That's not a thing <laughs> that you should be excited about. That doesn't make it okay. That, that He's uh, not the person oh, yeah. to get diet advice from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got hollow hollow, which is weirdo weirdo but we have banana and mayonnaise sandwiches yeah so. okay cool you know right so you know uh we'd love to have you back and feed you even more uh of those things <laughs> that that that's perfectly fine just just maybe maybe different items yeah <laughs> so we're here to talk about your book so your book just came out stop taking sides i've been waiting for this book since march when you you gave me a copy to read and uh it couldn't have come out at a better time or a more yes. triggering time. Uh, I, I don't know what or responses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what responses you've had to the book. You've posted the positive ones on your Instagram, which I like. Yes. But have you had you don't any? Typically, post the negative ones. <laughs> My favorite negative one so far was so. If you look on the first page, I've got Rice Brooks as an as an endorser. Yep. Um, and then I've got uh, Stephen Um, who's a council member with the Gospel Coalition. Uh-huh. And then I have Mark Driscoll. And then I have Stephen Mansfield. So. All of these people are my friends. Like yes, I, I, yes. I, I love them. I know them. I think they're all great men. And just that one, just that page, because you know the book is about kind of being contrarian and not right, taking right, sides. Right. And and right there, that got me a one star review on Goodreads. Just for like, that page. You're exactly the person who should have kept reading. But you know, yeah. yeah. So, but that's kind of like you know, it's like, well, if this person endorsed it, I, I, I rah, rah, and you know, they. Just I felt get, like your you your know. endorsements were arranged uh, intentionally. Were they? Because yes, it felt they like totally they were, were. They would ping pong from one cat yeah, to the other. That, yeah, I I often feel like if you know if all my friends got together, I'd have to call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I mean, these people, like, I like them. I, I think they're yeah. great. I think they're all, and this is going to stun some people, I think they're all actual Christians. <laughs> whoa, 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 Yeah, whoa, I know, whoa. I know. Bold I know. statements right there. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's one thing. Before we get to the meat of the book itself, uh, you and I talked about this, and it comes out in the book. So much of it is rooted in personal experience. So much of it is rooted in your stories and actual relationships you have. Um, mm-hmm. so could we talk about that? Like, how do you, how did that help you, you know, to, to engage these ideas, not just as abstract concepts, but with people connected to them? And how did that force you to, to look at it differently? Yeah, well, I think we have to start with kind of my wiring. My wiring is to be very partisan, very black and white, you know, <laughs> right, wrong, uh, and, and as a younger man, that's exactly how I was. And um, and and I think that impulse, I mean, you know, God made me, right? And so yeah. uh, my, my strengths and my personality, like there's a redemptive kind of angle to that. Yes, yes. Um, but 
sometimes as a younger man, I, I would go full kind of inquisitor on a, on a, you know, third tier matter of, you know, doctrine that wasn't that, you know, wasn't at that level of importance. Right. Right. But, right. But I had a view of the vibe of, of the Bible particularly. And, and I think a lot of Christians do, uh, have this view that there are true things and there are false things and that's it. That's all there are. Yeah. And, and according to God's perspective, that's 100% accurate. Like God holds all true beliefs in his mind, but as we are not him, there are certain matters about which like it, I, as like a theologian who's been in school forever, I just don't know. And, um, and I think God's a genius and he's arranged the text such that like some of those ideas like seem to be right next to one another, really obvious, like, like the authors of these books had to have known what they were doing. Right. Yes. And, uh, that this would cause problems for some people later on. (laughs) A hundred, a hundred percent, you know, and the, and the easiest one is it shows up at the end of Genesis, the very first book book of the Bible, Joseph, who's like totally abused and mistreated ends by saying what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. And, and just like, if you hand that sentence to anyone trained in, in philosophy at all, their, I mean, their mind goes, you know, it just kind of hits, you know, uh, a tilt, right? Because either we meant it or God meant it, but it can't be both. And like, how, how could, you know, two kinds of intentionality exist in the same, like there, there's, there's lots of, lots of complications about this, but the text is doing this to us. Yeah. And, and I think that if it's doing this to us, then, uh, then it's meant to produce something. So, so I've kind of come through the journey of there are matters about which we must totally take sides yes um and so my 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 only problem with this book is i some have, have taken the title as like a categorical imperative like like you should never stop like never take sides or yeah never you know, always stop take taking side, yeah. sides which of of course would be to take a side itself and yes so, so that's <laughs> like uh, you know kind of violates the law of non-contradiction and you of kind course, of deal with that in the that. first few pages if they ever got that far yes. if they ever got past the yeah. recommendations yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, but, but there are a lot of matters about which it, the point I think of the Bible, like the reason the Bible is telling us something is not to get us to take a side on a thing, but actually to form virtue in us. Right. And that's much harder than just picking a team. Right. I, I love that part about the book because I felt myself, and this is what I wrote in my recommendation. I felt myself getting challenged a lot and I felt like, you know, cause that's what you said more than just imparting the information what is God doing in my heart, in my soul, in my in the way I look at Him, in the way I look at the world? What is He doing there by making me wrestle and actually have mm-hmm. to hold on to both these things? You know, and, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that with the chapters because every time I have to reach for both, this pain point, you know, like shows up yeah. in my heart where yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want to believe that, or I am too jaded mm-hmm. to believe that, or I really want to hate these people. And be allowed to, with a righteous uh, sense of hating, you know. So, mm-hmm. I, I love that the book's built around that, this sense of virtue. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you do mean. And if you don't mind, I'm going to quote uh, some parts of the book where you said, first of all, there is a truth and there is falsehood. You're not saying that nothing's true. But you, you, you expound that to say not everything is a hill upon which to die. There are certainly moments when we must echo Martin Luther's here I stand, I can do no other. But there are simply far more moments when we must think harder, pray longer, and draw closer, especially to those with whom we disagree. Not all who disagree mm-hmm. with us are heretics. In fact, we probably have wisdom. They probably have wisdom we should hear and maybe even a position we should embrace. So 
talk to us about that. Um, you know, always making something a hill to die on, you know, and, and how we tend to do that over stuff God's not making us do that too. Yeah, so so we have to think about this problem on like multiple layers. There's the theological layer, there's like the sort of biological layer, and then there's okay. like the sociological layer, right? So if you if, if you can imagine uh, for a minute, like uh, down way back here at the back of your skull is your like lizard brain, the oldest part of your brain, which is like the fight, flight, freeze part, right? So y- you yes. encounter something that feels like a th- like threatening. Yes. And you attack and, it, or you run away from it. Yeah, you attack it, you you freeze, or you run away. And so we are deeply biologically conditioned to do this. Let's mm-hmm. just start there, okay? Yeah. Um, but there's this other part that uh, happens right, right about here, which is your prefrontal cortex, which allows you to, uh, like, self-reflect. And, um, and, and this is designed to manage that. Now, this is really, really strong and powerful, and it gives you, like, all the emotional chemicals and stuff but this is is the uh to use john jonathan heights analogy like this is the elephant but this is the writer the elephant's really strong but there is a writer yeah and um and the writer can kind of you know hopefully like move the elephant um but it's that but it's that kind of battle and so we have to know that about ourselves and realize like this is it's not purely like a moral thing it's not purely a sociological thing like we're just built to you know to to be tribal i mean think about it all a tribe is is a family, right? And right. so a, a child, you, you've got two really cool kids. They're born into your family, and they know they're Bonifacios. Like yeah. you're you're conditioning them. They know this is my team. And then as they as they grow, they're going to realize like, oh. And then I've got like this this like outer sphere of like extended family and yep, then like yep. church and then school and then society. Like and so there are like layers of of inclusion and yes. a sense of belonging. Okay, so so that's something that they're being conditioned toward right and it's a then necessity the they shouldn't layer. go home with oh, other parents they totally. should stay with me okay a hundred percent right so so i'm not i'm not saying that like side taking or or feeling allegiant to a team that that's not a bad thing yeah it, it it it's actually kind of wasteful to even judge it it's just a thing that we can't escape right right it, it, it is right so when it becomes bad is when that deep biological impulse becomes the way we do everything right because that that there's no there's no like reflection and cognition down here in in lizard brain it's all like just reaction instinct and so when we yeah now here's the thing though in our current age the way the way the facebook app the instagram app and especially twitter the app the way it's designed but i mean the all these big media companies they 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 employ neuropsychologists they employ neurologists they're building their sites to mess with your biology at that level to, to, they're not engaging your prefrontal level. cortex yeah no no yeah. not not up here you're getting distracted up here like ooh that's a you know interesting thought but I there feel are smarter, colors yeah. and there are sounds that that like are firing um chemicals into in your brain that chemicals that resemble either morphine or chemicals that, that do the same thing like cocaine would do to you know a person like like th- there are powerful chemicals that, that go along with these so we're, we're getting conditioned by these little devices to respond to certain news items or theological propositions or policy items not not actually to not respond to them at all but to react to them with the most basic part of our biology literally so that's a huge problem yeah that's a huge problem and then you add on top of that okay now here's the bible with, with some amazing theological insights um god in, in order to develop our character requires of us that we not do that about everything now, yeah. there are certain things like you know the, the book of james says like resist the devil 
and he'll flee from like like run away from evil there's yeah. no compromise to be made with evil right okay evil is evil and, and we shouldn't partake in it okay that's and fine. that's really cool um, because the analogy is a roaring lion which is very lizard oh, brain yeah. like run away from a predator you yeah know? like that's run really away cool. Dude, yeah. yeah totally you see a roaring lion you're not gonna go hmm what would be the most appropriate yeah. like you're not gonna write a thesis about it you're maybe he's maybe he and is so hungry he, you know and i should yeah, feed him perhaps. with something <laughs> yeah yeah you're you're not gonna do that um the problem is, is when that level of um, non-cognition, precognition happens for everything, right? Yeah. So, so to rise up to the now, I'm not a, I'm not a neuropsychologist, and uh, but, but I am a theologian, and and so the, the way sometimes we interpret the Bible, is with that reactive thing, and not right. with the. The part of us that actually kind of differentiates us from the rest of the animals. I mean, yeah. any any lizard, frog, duck, like every animal has that reactive function. You yeah, know, kind of, that's why that's why we call it a lizard brain, because um, pretty much everything has it. But we've been given by God this ability to reflect and to go, okay, wait, is this the right thing to do? Right. Um. And and so w when it comes to a moment like like we're in right now, uh, whether it's in your country or my country or any country. There are certain items, either in policy or in leadership, that when we see them, we feel this deep, innate, powerful urge to react. And I'm suggesting in this book that that, that actually God God puts these reactive little landmines in the Bible itself yeah. to get us to not do that, to teach yeah. us, no, there's certain matters, lots of matters that we've got to not, that side taking is not the correct response. It's tension holding. And as we work hard to hold them, we develop virtues like patience or kindness or justice or love or whatever. Right. Uh, I love that part. And the thing that challenged me is, you know, it's so tempting to do, to take sides. And then people weary of that uh, often just compromise, you know, and split the difference and, and just take like a middle mm -hmm. ground, like gray area there and that isn't what you're saying either you know and you clarify that early mm -hmm. in the book but you're no, saying no, that's aristotle and that's that's not he's not he's that's he's not, not our team Christian. i yeah. mean aristotle was super cool uh, in a lot of ways very smart and, and we should all be grateful for him but uh but the the golden mean like the the mediating between two extremes is not the way we're to read the bible in fact that's a sign of looking at the bible and going okay i adam Avery, don't see how I don't know, pick an issue like anything in the book. Uh, How Jesus could have, could have said both these things. So he yeah, must yeah, be okay. wrong. Yeah. Let me rewrite him. <laughs> but 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 no, so what that does is it causes me to pull away from the scriptures right. where they come out of focus and my own reason comes into focus and that's the thing I use to create a new solution. And what I'm suggesting is that's exactly the wrong way. In those tensions, God's inviting us in because it's strange. Right. And, and I want the Bible to remain strange. And, and let its strangeness alienate us, but also attract us and change us. I think God's a genius, and that's why he put the Bible that yeah. way. And to cause us to keep looking at it. Uh, yes. Not And not look away just because it doesn't make sense. Or to water it no. down because it doesn't make sense. No. I love yeah. it. I love how this part in the book says to stop sublimating some biblical teachings to others that we prefer. And to start listening to how the Bible is teaching. It's holding truth's intention not only brings us more into line with God's word, but frees us from the anxiety and outrage that threaten to destroy us. And, uh, you know, in order to, f to help us address that, you don't, you don't 
uh, cut corners. You really go straight for the issues. I mean, you open with a statement about someone's position on Donald Trump. You talk about Hillary. <laughs> you talk about controversial theological uh, issues. Um, how was that for you, opening all of these doors in writing it? Um, how was it for me? Uh, wonderful. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I feel fine. Um, I think, uh, you know, there there are... I mean, these are real stories. Like, uh, I mean, I, I've... I, I really do pastor a really diverse church of people who occupy all kinds of positions. And, uh, you know, some of them good, some of them not so good. And and yet, doesn't that sound like Jesus' small group? Yeah. Like, I don't know if, you, if you've checked out The Chosen at all. Like, it's this really cool crowdsourced, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, crowdfunded. So you've got, like... I love their got, backstories. It's really cool. Oh, my gosh. But, but they're really... I mean, they're really... I mean, uh, very plausible, historically plausible. Yeah. So you've got like a Jewish nationalist who would be like our equivalent in America of like an alt-right kind of gun-toting AR-15, you know, MAGA hat wow. wearing, like you got that guy. And then you've got, you've got Matthew. Yeah. Who's <laughs> just this complete, you know, left-wing, crunchy, you know, like bicycle, right, whatever your, you know, thing is. And, I love Matthew's... And everybody in between, uh... and, pretty boy pampered look in the show it's like totally whoa <laughs> and, uh, and they're all in jesus small group not his church they're, they're part of his like tiny little group that he that he he brings with him very intentionally and I'm like yeah. okay right so so there must be something to like it, it, it can't simply be about being right and wrong there must be there must be intentionality in the way god built humans yeah such that their perspectives and their differences and their extremities are needed yeah. in order for us to arrive at godliness. And so we have to decide if we want to be right or if we want to be godly. And those are not always the same space. Right. Godly. No. <laughs> um, I, I like what you're, what you're saying here. And, uh, you know, as leaders, and this is what this podcast is for as Christian leaders, this is an invitation to a higher level uh of of contemplation of thinking and of acting and very often as leaders if we don't see what's going on we might find ourselves being pushed around by different forces and and honestly i i know lots of people lots of leaders uh christians who want to be more christ-like but feel like they have to take a side who feel like they have to abandon one good thing in order to support another good thing and that's what you're saying doesn't need to happen. That's what you're saying. God never made us have to choose. And so that's what you yeah. know, I, I love about this book. You know, I'm going to give them a quick preview of the chapters. So uh, there's sovereignty and responsibility. That's divine providence and, 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 and human uh, responsibility for our actions. Uh, divine images and deeply flawed. Uh, word, spirit, and tradition. Love and wrath. Is God loving or is God angry at sin? Uh, strong and weak. I and we. But I want to focus on two specific chapters for, for, for our talk today. The first one is, is victory and suffering. Uh, and Adam, I, I think of all of them, I personally felt like this was the most, um, how do you say this? Uh, autobiographical for you. Um, you kept referring to to how you are, you know, like like 
right now or, or the, the past several years. Uh, mm-hmm. How did those experiences of both victory and a lot of suffering uh, inform this chapter for you? Um, well, they both experience, uh, informed my experiences and my writing very, very much. Um, mostly because I, I was experiencing both great victories and a, a, uh, a lot of suffering at the same time. In different areas. Um, so for the, those who are not familiar with the book, um, I say in the book and, and I, and I don't frankly wish to say more because I don't think it would be appropriate. Um, yeah. So for the last few years, my family and I have been walking in, uh, through a, a really terrible kind of suffering that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, much less, uh, a friend. And, uh, and at the same time, um, you know, we've made more money than ever. And the, the, the things that I lead are more blessed and, and growing and more prosperous than ever. And, and so it's like, uh, when I see people interpreting the text of the Bible as if it were a um, formula for success, right? Um, it enrages me. Mm-hmm. And when I see, and, and similarly, when I see folks hate on those people, it enrages me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the only person happy about this stupid dichotomy is the devil it yeah. is is the enemy of our souls because the reality is uh you know it, it really depends on your person there's one way of looking at jesus he's a total loser total loser all he did was like impact a couple hundred people you know within like a hundred mile radius yeah you know never wrote anything never commanded anything uh but then another perspective is i mean he is quite obviously the single most influential figure in the world yeah ever. uh and the same thing with like all the heroes of the New Testament and, and many of the old. And, um, and and that is a very visceral tension. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's one, I mean, I, one of the oldest books of the Bible is the book of Job. Yeah. And it, and this is the question it's asking. Yeah. So, okay, God, if I, if I, if I act like I'm supposed to act, if I'm a good guy, I should get wall to wall victory, right? And the answer of that book is like, no. Yeah. You get not what God necessarily. wants. Yeah. yeah, not necessarily. And so much of who we are is shaped and revealed in our suffering. Um and and, and this this tension is most obviously uh, seen in in Jesus. I mean, the single most victorious, powerful, etc., 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 experiences the greatest conceivable loss and yeah. suffering ever. Yeah. Um Yeah. And so when I when I see and and this is as an American I'm frankly ashamed of this because this is a heresy that we invented and we exported the, to the rest of the world. When I see the prosperity gospel and people with fine looking suits and great cars, feasting on the hopeful poverty of others, promising them that if they give, you know, or do or jump higher or whatever, that God will do X Y and Z. Um, man, I, my heart's broken. But I'm not, I'm not so enraged that I'm ready to uh, like kick them out, because Paul, there were there were people like that in Paul's day. In in Philippians, he says, "Look, some people preach, some folks preach from envy and for money, and some do it from a generous like real heart." I'm just glad people are talking about Jesus. And it, 
like that was Paul's that was Paul's perspective yeah, yeah. on I read that this morning. I was thinking you know, about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and it's like, okay, well if that I mean, I, I've written exactly zero books that are contained in the canon. And Paul has written quite a few. So if that was his perspective, perhaps I should, you know, e- even though I can be rightfully upset and, At the and, content, and disconcerted. Yeah, yeah I, I can. I Love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things, right? There's this idea of believing the best. Like, I I don't, it is not my responsibility to judge, you know, the TBN lineup tonight. Like, I don't know. It's not like, I don't, this is not my job. Um, and, uh, and, you know, God uses my flaws to touch people. Why wouldn't he use others? Like, you know, that's not to say we can't critique doctrine, but it all must be done with a with the, the, the baseline of like love. And uh, and so sorry, that's a long ramble. Uh, no, that, yeah, that the was victory and suffering excellent. chapter was very visceral for me to write. And uh, I hope it helps a lot of the people who read it. It helped me a lot. And uh and, and, and I agree that uh, I think you, you gave the appropriate amount of detail that we could feel that there's pain behind a lot of this. And I think for me, what really helped me is I realized that while, you know, the prosperity gospel, it's easy to to point out what's wrong with that. It's easy to look at instances in the Bible of suffering and just say, look, Job, Jesus, uh, the early church, yeah. What are we going to do, you yeah. know? However, at the same time, uh, you describe some of us as being functional atheists of just embra- you know, just choosing because of the difficulty of holding on to the reality of suffering and at the same time, these great promises of God, just holding on to both is just so difficult. And so I love this part where mm-hmm. you describe, you know, Deuteronomy 28, when you have us read the blessings of obedience that, that, that are described there, and you say, look at those promises. Don't theologize them yet. Just look at them slowly. Before you start recounting all the historical reasons, you know, all the explanations for watering them down and saying, well, this didn't really happen or that didn't really happen. Blessings that overtake. Do you really, do you hear the intention of your father? Mm-hmm. And it challenged me to think, am I... Am I switching to Joe's own logic right away? You know, just to, hmm. to relieve myself of the tension of why am I suffering from allergies? Why is my son suffering from allergies when the Bible says that we are healed? You know, there's so many promises that I'm not holding on mm-hmm. to anymore, not even praying for, not even, I'm not even dusting them off anymore. It's like, uh, yeah, some, somewhere, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. instead of holding on to the heart of the father and saying, the, the pain I feel for seeing my son get sick you want what's best for me also. And instead of just trusting mm-hmm. on the technicality of the promise, but the heart of God behind the, that promise, um, that's what spoke to me about that chapter. And I believe a lot of our listeners will, will, that, will do that as well. Like go back over those promises and say, God, am I still praying this? Am, am I still holding on to this? Or am I letting this slip because of the circumstance I'm in? And uh, mm. just not holding on to it anymore as well. I responded to your ramble with my ramble. <laughs> then, then, then we are matched. <laughs> <laughs> More than just in our hair. Okay. What, what, the other thing your I hair looks great today, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you're the only person who noticed. I used something else. I used an electric oh. clipper. Yeah, no one else has noticed. Thank you. Well, uh, leave it to another bald person. 
You know, the other thing I find amazing about your book, a uh, couple of things I want to point out is how short it is. You would think that somebody who would um, explore <laughs> both sides of these huge theological pits every chapter would have like volumes, and yet it's so short uh, and yet so clear. And I love how you give these handy uh, ways for us to grab things. And for the suffering and victory chapter, you said, in victory, remember suffering. Uh, we're more grateful for our victories when we remember the sufferings in our lives and it'll keep us more humble. And then secondly, in suffering, remember the victory. And I just found that, that uh, what do you call that? Mnemonic device or whatever, that, that handle, super helpful. Yeah. Where did that come from when you were thinking about that? Like, is that something you've been doing for years or did that come to you when writing this book? Yeah, yeah. When you're me, you've had to learn a few tricks and tips to not be arrogant all the time. Okay. Um, and so... One one way of of not of not uh, uh, allowing yourself to wander into such things is to remember that the only way I know that I'm blessed and successful is because I have tasted the lack of those things. Right. Like, uh, I mean, it's it's the I mean, it's the very simple. Like, uh, you know, if your children, if you spoil your kids, they they simply expect the world to give them what they want when they want. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to intentionally not spoil make, them. It cause them to suffer a little bit, right? By saying, no, you can't have this thing because you want it and you shouted about it. Like that's not how life works. Yeah. And that, and, and to a little six year old or four year old heart like that, that's hard. That's so hard. Yeah. Um, and you have to sit there and kind of endure like this person that you love being really un unhappy. But the reason you're doing it is so that by virtue of their unhappiness, temporarily, in the hands of a good father, they'll know how to handle the good things well. Yeah. I love that. And so, and it creates gratitude. I wish there were a different way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure this was, uh, you know, there, there must have been a different way to promote gratitude in our hearts prior to the fall, but this is what we got now. Yeah. Um, I wonder uh, also when, the thing I liked about the book was beyond these great helpful catches and it's not a summary like an end like just know this statement and you'll know the truth about both but it's like you know if you want to remind yourself the truth, the truth of both sides remember this remember this and it, that's the journey to reminding yourself you also had a lot of a few helpful charts and images and for someone like me who's very visual I love that especially the main chart you have that you build up throughout the book and I, I don't want to talk more about it I want people to discover it for themselves but is, does that come to you naturally thinking in those charts and thinking uh, <laughs> visually like that arranging deep truths I found that brilliant I love charts I'm actually not a visual learner I'm actually an aural like auditory learner okay but I think I think in my mind's eye just the way my brain works is that I tend to separate things like I, I put them into boxes and categories and stuff. And so, um, so I, I, I actually really wanted the reader to not just have this like miasma of advice, right? right Cause right, every right. chapter ends with like some advice. And I, I didn't, when I read books like that, I, I, I walk away from them. I'm actually kind of discouraged. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I, do don't all, remember, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't remember what he said for me to do, <laughs> you know? And so, 
the the graphics in the book are designed to help the reader identify well where are you starting yeah and that's okay like wherever like if you're the most judgy black and white thinker that's okay like that's just how god built you from the factory and we need you we need that or we'd all be heretics right and if you're the most like open-ended like whatever man i just love everybody like that's okay we we need that but the the thing about both of those people is i Jesus wants us all to move from how we came from the factory to th- that, but Christ-like. Yeah. And so yeah. the 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 journey is to take us is to go from that to that the version of that, but more like Jesus. And I think that part of the genius of God in designing the Bible as He did wasn't to cause us to fight with each other. Yeah. You know the libs versus the conservatives or the whatever, but actually to move us toward. Christ likeness yeah because the reality is like if you're going to be really honest and dial all your anxiety down to zero man there's some things jesus says that really really freak me out yeah like i i start off as a more black and white you know concrete truth-oriented thinker that's Mm -hmm. how i'm built and so when when, and and i i'm like deeply in uh, influenced by by a high view of God's sovereignty. So when I hear things like Jesus saying, may it be done according to your faith, like my lizard brain goes, nope, and wants to run away from that stuff. And and I've got to go, no, 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 no. Jesus said that. And like every gospel recorded him saying it, which means it must be super important. Yep, yep, yep. You know, because it's there four times. Uh, you know, it's not an accident. Read, like three or <laughs> No, it's not an accident. It's not because, you know, it's not just because Matthew had an agenda. Like, no, I mean, the Bible is the living word of God. So, okay, why? What's that supposed to do to me? Yeah. And so this is like a, 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 you know, there's a one way to read the scriptures when you are are new to the faith, which is kind of the, and and the purple book is brilliant at this. It's like, look, you believe false things and they need to be replaced with true things. Yeah. And so here, you believe that, you know, X, but the Bible says Y. Here's 17 places where it says Y. Okay, yeah. get that in your head. But then when you actually start to read like Romans at a go or like Genesis at a go and you see like it's the structure of the book itself, you're like, hmm, okay. Actually, the way the Bible's shaped is doing things to me. And so it's not, it, it, it's like just a, a, the next thing that happens because yeah. you start to read Ephesians and the first three chapters, you're like, oh my gosh, Paul thinks God is like Aristotle's prime mover and he's like, you know, puppet master of the universe and none of us have any responsibility. Yeah, yeah. But then the last three chapters are all like moral injunctions about, <laughs> about like things to do. And you're like, Therefore oh, we should do this, okay. we should do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like God's super in control in a way that really freaks you out. Therefore, husbands, love your wives. <laughs> you know, be good employees and children, obey your parents. And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> And, and those are the kinds of things that I think, I think the Bible wants to mess with us. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And, uh, and I'm fascinated by that. I love that the, the Bible wants to mess with us. You know, it, it, honestly, one of the effects your book had on me was to make me love scripture so much because I thought, what a genius, you know, like, like, like when you watch a movie and you felt like the director was completely in control with where they were taking you and how they were presenting the story, you know, and they had you leaning one way, leaning the other way to get to where they wanted you to go. And the Bible is like that, but for, for everything, you know, (laughs) like you might feel down as a husband, but you'll read it and you'll feel like, Oh, there's hope for our marriage, you know, or you might feel self-congratulatory about yourself and you'll feel like, Oh gosh, I need to be more like Jesus. So 
this one book, mm-hmm. <laughs> this one living word with the illumination of the Holy Spirit will just, you know. Yeah. I love that. We'll use that for the promotion. The Bible wants yeah. to mess with us. You brought up it the totally topic. It totally does. Let's go to one of the most controversial chapters, uh, chapter seven, politics and kingdom. Politics and kingdom, where Christians mm-hmm. are either, are we building the kingdom of God spiritually? Are we obsessed with doing church? Or are we going to get involved in society and do things politically and see change in policy and those kinds of things? How was the response made to this chapter? Um, did you have interesting conversations about it? Uh, and how how were you when you were writing this? I mean, what did you think was going to happen when you were writing this? Um, I didn't think about what would happen because I don't care. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have a, I have a deep conviction that what I wrote is true. Yeah. And so here, uh, every few months, it seems like there's some, you know, cabal of people on the internet, small or large, and they want to come and cancel me. And that's fine. It's very flattering. Um, and so recently I had a, you know, the same thing. And, 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 and one of the questions is like this, Pastor Adam doesn't take strong stands. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious because I'm like, no, I totally do. And like, you've I, offended I people. Genetically predisposed to take strong stands. But when I think your stand is dumb, I'm not going to take your stand. Yeah. And especially when I think your stand is completely alien to the Bible. Yeah. And so, you know, one, a, a current argument right now in, in, in my nation is like, should we care about the way minorities are treated? And of course the Bible's like, yeah, yeah, totally, like deeply, profoundly. And like white people like me need to repent for the ways we've been uh, complicit with like just blind to racism and the way it's impacted our churches. Totally. Yeah. But then there's a program for doing that that's uh, in many ways totally divorced from the scriptures. Yeah. And, and my response is, well, I'm, I'm not going to go along with that. Yeah. Right? And so I think there might be a different path to arrive at this very important end of, of, of racial reconciliation and justice yeah. and stuff like that. And not because I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I'm, I'm trying to be obedient to the Bible. And so very often uh, what will happen is like, well, you're not taking a strong enough stand. And it's like, no, I, I'm taking a very strong stand. It's just a, a stand that you don't like yeah. or that you might not wish. Um, because very often I will get, you know, from the right, you know, you're just a, you know, left leaning blah, blah, blah. And from the, you know, from the folks on the left, it's, you know, you're just a Fox News watching, you know, MAGA hat wearing blah, 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 blah. And, and, and the reality is I, I'm actually neither of those things. Yeah. Um, if you checked my browser history, um, I, I, I actually, I don't read any of it right now. Um, cause I just find it all to be silly. Um, but the, I'm interested in something deeper because I think the Bible is. The yes. Bible is not okay with our assumption that politics is the way the kingdom is going to be brought to the world. Yes. And in every age of church history, every single one, whether it's when Constantine became a Christian and Rome, the, the empire of Rome, people, there were, there, were, there were godly men, church fathers that thought, oh, this is obviously This the is kingdom. it, yeah. And then when Charlotte, yeah, and same thing happened when Charlemagne came to power and kind of like, rebooted the whole the whole thing um you know same thing happened you know in the in in just every moment that looked like christians were getting power in the world in in my country more more recently same thing happened in the 80s with the moral majority and ronald reagan and george bush and george w bush and that sort of thing same thing you know can happen all, all kinds of places yeah and we are so historically ignorant 
that we fall for it yeah. every time, every time. And it's the same error. And, and look, I've fallen for it. So I'm not like, I'm not even mad at other people. Cause I'm like, I totally get how you'd fall for it. Uh, cause how the heck would you know about any of those things of history? Cause no one teaches them. Yeah. Um, but we've been falling for the same lie. And the lie is that we're going to arrive at, like, we're going to progress toward this kingdom future without the king. Yeah. And by, by embracing some political program that has some kingdom in it, like in my country, right? It's Republicans and Democrats. And, and, and each, both those parties have kingdom in them. Yep. Just not, they're not fully kingdom. Tom Holland wrote a really cool book that I would recommend everyone read. It's called Dominion. And he, his basic point is like, look, every ethical debate in Western civilization right now is really an internecine New Testament theological debate. That's it. <laughs> like, you know, every single one. And, and he, and he works really hard. I mean, it's like a thousand pages, so I'm not going to be able to summarize the book, but it, he, he shows how that's, that's the case. And I find it really compelling, you know, uh, that, you know, even if you think of like socialists, like socialists are motivated by care for the poor. Yeah. Well, of course, God, like there's so much in the Bible about how yep. much God cares for the poor yep. and, and free market people are like, they're motivated by, uh, you know, things like, uh, hard work and personal responsibility. Well, there's so much in the Bible about them, yep. <laughs> those things. Yep. And so there's just an internecine debate. Um, and, and when we, when we buy into the sub-Christian lie, that politics is going to bring about the kingdom. We are giving over our allegiance to Babylon. Yeah. And we need to be very self-critical as we engage in, in politics. They're not evil. We, we need Christian politicians. We just need them to be self-critical enough to realize they're not the king. Yep. And th that's the thing that challenged me with this because you and I both know we can get into these thinkers. We can get into these readings. But... You know, there is a problem, and, and this is what I've seen with a lot of people, uh, myself included, when we get more well-versed about the debates that the media or the world or the clearly defined political parties are putting out for us instead of what the Word of God says. And as Christians, we've even oh, learned yes. the necessary disclaimers to be like, well, of course I do this, but, you know, and it's just like a one-sentence, two-sentence nod to Jesus and the Bible and to pretension of being still spirit-filled and then going straight into worldliness in a way that is indif uh, indistinguishable indistinguishable from totally. the way the world is acting and you think wait we god made us to be different from the world mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. i love this chapter uh, which is really hard it's just really hard <laughs> and 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 we have to have patience enough to realize like Man, I'm 37. I'm sure 20 years from now, I'll look back on something I wrote in this chapter and go like, uh, you know, like it's really hard. Yeah. And that means we have to hold these tensions yep. or we're just going to have to excommunicate all, all the everyone so, who, doesn't yeah. disagree, who doesn't agree with us. Yeah. Yeah. I love this chapter. And that's not a nice way to live. <laughs> you guys need to read this chapter. Uh, for those of you who feel uh, triggered or bothered uh, by, by, by issues or you're triggered or bothered by people who, who get triggered or bothered by these things. How do we hold on to the tensions? And I want to give a few of the questions you've asked here. Here are a few questions I've learned to ask as I seek to engage with politics faithfully. Uh, is a false promise of progress that only Jesus can bring about being made? And I've, I've heard that. I've heard that from different sides of the political fence where this is the only way mm -hmm. to help the poor or this is the only way that the country can be united. Uh, yeah. Another good question. What's the prize I'm being offered? Is it a false freedom to do what I want? Or a true freedom to love God and to love and serve God and our neighbor. And it's a good reminder for us as Christians that 
we're playing for a different prize than the rest of the world is playing for. They want whatever they want, but we want God's glory, us to be made more like God, and His kingdom to be established on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to take a whole lot more (laughs) than just a single election or just a single bill being passed or pulled down. Yeah, I, I would I would encourage you know, some of my thoughts in the chapter were informed by um, a, uh, a really important book by a um, actually by an Australian pastor um, who's uh, um, his name is Mark Sayers. He pastors Red Church and he wrote a book called um, Reappearing Church. And he makes some of these observations in a little bit more long form, which uh, I think are really true. Great. We'll include those recommendations in the show notes. Um, yeah, so. As we wrap this up, Adam, talk to us about, you know, taking sides as a leader. And uh, you do mention that in Chapter 7. You you talk a little bit about the family systems theory and anxiety and how that causes us to, to go all lizard brain and to, to make camps when we don't need to make camps. And we've, we've uh-huh. talked at length in this podcast about before about leading in anxious times. And so we've talked about... Um, just that whole thing, you know, uh, leading in anxious times and and uh, how to manage that. And because when your anxiety is down, when you cast your cares to God, when you repent for your unbelief, when you believe the promises of God, then you can see things for how they are and not be forced into predefined categories by other people. How has that helped you in your leadership? You know, for someone like you who's called to be a peacemaker, someone like you is called to bring healing, dealing with your own pains as well. And how do you fight that, you know, when when everything in you wants to take a side, just like everybody else? It's almost like everybody gets to play the game and you don't want to because you got to be mature. you got to serve instead of be served. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually more complicated than that. I really do want to play the game. There's a deep part of me in my flesh that wants to get in there and, and throw down what I think is true because oh, i have strong opinions about I've, everything i wanted to make a twitter and, account the twitter burner account for for oh years. yeah okay <laughs> but totally yeah yeah i i yeah if you ever see at definitely not pastor adam uh that's what i really think <laughs> um, that, that account doesn't exist but um yeah true those are my those are my unfiltered thoughts um of course i want to do that right but that's the point hmm. and it's the it's the blessing the curse of being a pastor is that I'm not just a teacher of God's word. I'm supposed to be a living parable and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it just sucks sometimes. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, cause I want to give into my flesh and, and get in there and fight <laughs> and slog it out in the mud with everybody else over some stupid battle that like 20 years from now, people are going to be like, you're arguing about what? And I'm like, no, it felt important. And, at the and, time, and you, know? you think that it, you've got the, the, the ending argument. Yeah. You know, if I could just say yeah, this, yeah. they'd all shut up and listen. Yeah. Of course. And and like historically, I mean, there are churches and whole like people who stopped being friends over things that, that like, were like, what? I mean, yeah. doctrinal matters that like just don't matter. Yeah. Um, and so I am, here's, here's what does it for me. I know Jesus disagrees with me about stuff. Like I'm certain it, it's just a fact. I, I'm certain I'm wrong about something. Yeah. I'm certain that Adam Avery's head affirms a belief about God that when God looks at that belief, he's like, well, that's not right, yeah. <laughs> you know? And and if I knew what it was, I would change it, right? But but I don't... I, not right I don't now, yeah, yeah. Right now. Yeah. And yet, God loves me. And and, and it's, it's actually even better slash worse. Jesus loved me when I 
hated him. Yeah. And I, I wanted nothing, and not only nothing to do with him, but I, I, I wanted, I wanted him to be a, a, a not, I, I wanted him to be out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's the, that's the, that's the connection I have with the crowd that cried, crucify him, crucify him. Like I can totally still feel in my flesh times when I look at Jesus and I go, no, man, you just get the heck out of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I want, so there's something in me that wants to reject him. And in that moment of like my worst, he loved me. Yeah. And if I slow down long enough to go, okay, that's how God's treated me. If that's how God's treated me, I have to treat other people that way. Yeah. And actually, because God is not a masochist, and the book of Hebrews says it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. Yep. So that for the, the, there was like there was a joy Jesus had an eye on. It was there was a kind it. of yeah. pleasure that Jesus could see past the crowds shouting, "No, nah, we'd rather have Barabbas." Crucify that cat. And that just still blows my mind. Yeah. And um, and if that's true, then um, then there's nothing he can't ask of me. Yeah. No, no thing he can't ask me to endure. No hate I'm allowed to acquiesce to. Yeah. Because it's just not what he's done for me. So... That, that still freaks me out and messes with me and causes me to, to cry and want to change. And, uh, and that's, I, I hope, I hope a couple of people who read this book will grab that. <laughs> I, I really like what you said there and remembering the gospel. And I like the part where you said about joy because, you know, when we are tempted to play that game, there is a, a false joy that is offered to us, you know, that it's the joy of proving someone wrong, the joy of shutting up somebody who's been hurting you, uh, the joy of coming out on top of the argument. And that's not r real joy. That's not what God has in mm -hmm. store for you. And, you know, that's what stopped me several times from, you know, making my own burner account and, <laughs> and, and slugging it out in a different name with other people. It's like that, that won't do anything. That won't be worth it. You know, it it, it it wouldn't produce the life. I would, I would be mad about the fruit it would give. You know, maybe I'd be able to say some really good zingers, but then I was just like, you know what? One day God's going to show me the fruit of that. God's going to show me somebody who felt horrible by what I said. And I'm going to mm -hmm. be like, why, why did I take joy in that? Why did I take pride in that? Mm -hmm. And there is a yeah. different joy. So for those leaders who are listening to this, I hope that encourages you that when you're choosing to act in the opposite spirit, when you're choosing to act in love, it might feel like everybody's getting to play a game that you're not getting to play, but you're also pursuing Christ-likeness, real peace, real love, real joy. And isn't that better? You know, and hopefully in doing yeah. that, like Adam said, a living parable, other people even those people who who who, who want to get into the mud wrestling you know will will decide you know why am i doing this I, let's 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 try to follow and be more like jesus yeah hope so yeah adam thank you so much for writing this book it's it's amazing yeah. i love it so much 
Uh, we want to re- recommend it to all of you. It's available uh, uh, on Kindle for the Filipinos if you want to get it right away. I mean, it's available physically also, but um, if you want to get it immediately. Yes, it should be. Yeah. Stop Taking yeah. Sides by Adam Mabry. Great book. Uh, uh, not that long, but really rich. And uh, it's a book that's actually great to keep going back to. So we hope you enjoyed that interview with Adam. And believe me when I tell you that this uh, was barely scratching the surface of the richness of the book. And I want to encourage you to get your own copy. You can get it on Kindle right now. Uh, I don't know if you have other sources uh, with your friends. Uh, Stop taking sides how holding truth's intention saves us from anxiety and outrage uh, by Adam Avery. One thing I do want to point out just right now is that this practice of holding truth's intention, of taking the fullness of what the Bible says, will keep us, both ourselves and also the people we're leading. The people we're leading need leaders who are not driven by the news cycle, who are not driven by social media, who are not driven even by their own outrage. Leaders who can listen and empathize and not be triggered just because other people are triggered and instead respond with the Spirit of God. That's what the world needs today. And guess what? That's good for our souls as well. As Adam pointed out in the interview, God's word isn't just there to provide us information, but to build virtue in us, to build Christ-likeness in us. And so I look forward to to hearing from you how how this works. Uh, When you see and encounter these tensions in your life, um, what does it look like when you see that uh, roll down and uh, you stop taking sides and instead choose to be a godly spirit-led leader all throughout? That's it for the ENC Leadership Podcast. You can find us on encleaders.ph or encleadersph on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, don't forget, we've got that competition going. It ends on September 30, a book giveaway of the leader's journey. Um, and hey, maybe we could do a book giveaway of Adam's book as well later on. Uh, no promises. But do the other contest first, all right? See the details on uh, encleadersph on Instagram. If you want to talk to me, Joseph Bonifacio, you can catch me on Instagram at, at @campusjoe. Uh, hey, maybe some of the topics here uh, triggered something in you or awakened something in you and you want to discuss it more, we can talk there at, at Campus Joe. That's it. See you guys. Bye.